You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Matt Smith. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 146 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and not joining me again in the kitchen studio this week because he's on location in festive land is Matt Smith. <laughs> festive land it's clacton it's hardly right, clacton it's clacton <laughs> well it's on Absolutely. the coast i think it's on the coast but i think as far as the show is concerned it's like i've literally had the longest holiday ever i've been away for about three weeks <laughs> according to the but anyway yes yes we are today this show is not live we're just re- no, we not. recorded the intro on christmas eve we did. Uh, which was our last live show of 2016 and uh, yeah it's uh, we've got some very special special footage uh, of a very special weekend uh, that Back we in had July. together Back this in one, July, yeah, back uh, in which Carlos is going to tell you all about now. Yeah, so we all met up in July this year for the massive Farnborough meetup that we had, uh, where we all got together at the Hogsback Brewery, and uh, we got uh, we had the Plane Safety Podcast with Pip, we had the APG crew, uh, we had uh, Micah and Brian from the Airplane Geeks, we had the Omega Tau Podcast. Me and Matt were there, uh, obviously representing the PTUK team. And uh, we had Nev there, Nev Tech was there as well doing uh, doing technical stuff and bits and pieces. And we put together a huge live show that uh, we put out live uh, while we were there at Farnborough. But we also had lots of footage as well, which we took during um, the show at the air show itself. The actual air show the itself. The actual yeah. air show itself, which, uh, yeah, we had some good interviews. Uh, we spoke to some really amazing pilots and uh, yeah, we had a, we had such a fantastic weekend um, that weekend at Farnborough. Obviously, meeting um, a lot of people for the first time, including listeners as well of the show who who came to Farnborough. And yeah, we've we've got some really really great footage to put out. So yeah, it, it was uh, it really was what I can only describe as a truly magical weekend. As all these things usually are, they just they just go past so fast, don't they? I can't believe it. We was uh, we were sort of going home so quickly. It, it was a, it was a great weekend. No, it was all over too quick, unfortunately. And we had a long yeah. drive home from that weekend, didn't we, Matt? Yeah. Well, actually, yeah, I think it, you drove home. I did. Yes, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did you drove, drove home. home. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just, <laughs> I just sat in the passenger side and watched telly. You did job. watch the telly, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, it gives me great pleasure to introduce that footage for you now. Enjoy. Well, good morning, everyone. We are here at the Farnborough International Air Show. It is uh, currently Saturday morning. We've got a big day ahead, quite excited. We've got the big APG meetup that we're being papped as well, I should just say. We've got Mr. Hannington. Dan Hannington's arrived here. Again, he's, he's, a, he's a menace with that camera, I'll tell you. But uh, yeah, we've got the, the big APG meetup that we're, we're looking forward to sort of being involved in tonight. But uh, we've got some special guests here in the show. <laughs> Thanks, Pip. Thanks, Pip. <laughs> Pip's throat. Unfortunately, we're, Pip's we're being here. Being as well. We've got Pip. Al is being unusually well behaved, but uh, yeah, oh no. <laughs> but uh, yes. Anyway, where was I? <laughs> uh, uh, we're at Farnborough. We're, we're at Farnborough. Farnborough. That's yeah, right. It's Saturday morning. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It's all in the same thing. The sun goes down. The moon comes, comes up. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. But what, we, we've got we we've got special guests everywhere, we really, did, haven't we? We're surrounded surrounded by by, by, by famous stars, yeah, absolutely. really. Absolutely, certainly of the podcast world, anyway. And it gives me great pleasure to introduce. I, sh- I shall introduce our, our guest to my right, and that is the main man, Micah. Welcome to the show, Micah. 
Thank you so much for inviting me to take part in Plain Talking UK, and this has been such a marvelous experience, and what the Plain Talking UK audience needs to know, because we've been talking about it, we've been together for a couple of days now, is we came across the pond to meet people I've never met before, but I've met new old friends, and it's like we've known each other for years, and thank you so much for having me here, and I love Plain Talking UK, love to listen to it whenever I can and participate, and you know what the most important thing is for me to say right now is, hello, Myla, these guys, I've already told them hello, and she sends their love, and I hope you're in your pajamas. Oh, stop it, <laughs> honestly. So, no, it, it's very, it's very, it's very surreal last night. We had a big meet-up at, um, uh, at a, a pub very close to, to where the hotels were, and it was just very surreal. All the voices that I'm used to hearing in my headphones when I'm scrubbing the floors in my coach. Uh, to actually have them, it was just weird listening to the conversations going around me. And you For a change, everything was in HD, yes, and we absolutely. had no no, no, no audio no technical issues. Technical problems? No, everything was all streaming beautifully. Matt, so I, I need to tell you something, uh, and uh, actually, you need to tell yourself. We're not here; those voices are in your head. Oh, this is all your imagination. <laughs> Thanks very much. That's a great help. Thanks. Yeah. So oh, we I also have. I should oh. be telling that to my psychiatrist later. Thank you. Yeah. Is that me? No. Okay. No, I can't afford you. So we've all also uh, been very uh, graciously uh, uh, joined here at the show then by. Brian Coleman, the associate producer of the Airplane Geeks podcast. So good morning, Brian. Hi, Carlos. Thanks so much. You guys have been fantastic hosts. So all the things that Mike has said bad about you, absolutely not true. Yeah. I must say, it's, good, it's great to see someone from the geeks here, Brian, for sure. It's, uh, it's, thanks, for, thanks for making the trek uh, all the way here to come and see us this week at Farnborough. Yep, it's been fantastic. And there's an awful lot of... Uh, wow, that was loud. Big metal, big metal tubes out there with wings on. So it'll be fun for Matt to <laughs> introduce him to these things he's been talking about for so long yeah, without a clue. Yeah. Any uh, any particular aircraft you're looking forward to seeing this year, Brian? I uh, really wanted to get inside of the A350, and unfortunately, yesterday uh, that that took off. So that was uh, that was kind of sad that it won't be here today. We were able to get on the um, A380, which was uh, really nice. And, and as Mike has said, uh, now that he's been on it, they're actually retiring the plane. So uh, yesterday was its last day of, of flight, and it was a real honor to be uh, one of the last people that was actually on, on board. There would probably be maybe another, I don't know, 50, 100 people. So that was, that was kind of fun and special. And to be inside of the A380 with absolutely... No seats, I, no walls, just cables and test equipment. That was that was really fun to see. Oh, great. So we, I, I suppose we should go out and see. Oh, yes, Micah. This intro, if we can, and you can always edit it out if we can't. But well, we need to get Captain Allen, Pilot Pip, into the shot. That's yeah, let's point. bring those yeah, guys. Come on, yeah, look, because they are here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Dan, you have to come in as well. Come on. Come on, we bring Dan Hannington as well. Dan, yeah, Dan, yeah. Our, our resident photographer yeah, here at the show. Massive lens. By Massive the way. lens. Yeah, Morning, Dan. <laughs> Morning, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Captain Al, little word from you. That'll do. And from you, Pip. <laughs> good morning, everyone. A <laughs> uh, very good morning uh, from a beautiful sunny Farnborough. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, should we go and have some fun? Yeah, we're, we're here for a reason. So obviously, uh, what we're going to do in this little segment uh, today is, uh, as everybody knows, the running joke is basically, I'm a coach driver by trade, and I do literally know virtually nothing about aircraft. And I can't think of two people greater in this world to walk me through some of the static displays here at Farnborough. show up? <laughs> yeah, just waiting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. now off. <laughs> yeah, you're now off. Yeah, yeah. So, so that, yeah, basically, that's what we're going to do. Uh, and we're going to start with the aircraft that's right behind me. 
Right now, we're standing in front of the engine, the Rolls-Royce engine, from the F-35B. And this engine is unbelievable because it's not just a turbofan, and I hope I have that right, Max, but it's also a turbo shaft because the turbofan powers a vertical jet or, or fan for, um, for vertical lift. Uh, and if you look at it, you'd think they're two engines. It's really only one engine with the fan and the prop, and we're right in front of it. This is the first aircraft, Matt, to ever take off vertically. It's the F-35B. There are three different models of the F-35. It's the first aircraft to be able to take off vertically, fly supersonically with reheaters, and then land vertically. It's still, it, it, some of them are in service, the F-35, the B model, and I, again, I hope I have that right, and David, if I don't, I'm sure you'll correct me, and hope and expect you to. The B model is with the Marines, the vertical takeoff and landing one is with the Marines. There's also the C model, and I believe the C model is for the Navy, is that right, Brian? Sure. <laughs> Say it with confidence, people believe you, I have no idea. And designed for carrier landings, and the A model, and I may have the A and the C confused, is for the Air Force, designed for um, landings on, on regular runways. Uh, it, it's a brand new aircraft, still working out some bugs, but it's it's a uh, they call it an F. It's really an A for an attack aircraft, designed for close air support. Not as much air to air, but it certainly can do air to air. And, and, and just out of it, I mean, I mean, I'm I'm familiar with uh, vertical takeoffs because um, I know the Harrier, I think, here yep. in the UK um, was was obviously quite a big big plane for that sort of thing. In fact, as I say, I've mentioned on our show before, watched one drop into the sea at Lowestoft when uh, they were doing an air show a few years back. But so, how does that differ to to this particular configuration? The Harrier had, it actually, I was going to say inlets, but actually outlets that move to move go up and down and have its vertical thing. The, while the tail engine or the, the tail cone of the F-35 rotates up and down, it has a cent center fan that's located right behind the pilot. And the Harrier was, could not fly supersonically. Uh, this is the first aircraft that could fly supersonic. And supersonic is about uh, 700 Mach 1 or more, and it, I believe it starts at sea level at about 750 miles per hour. So we've moved to a different aircraft now, and we are standing in front of... This is the FA-18 Super Hornet. Now there are two things that are important about what I just said. A lot of people refer to the F-18 and they say F-18 F Hornet. That's a different airplane. The F-18 is a predecessor of the Super Hornet. Uh, and the F they were both F-A-18s, so I'll get to that in a moment. But the Hornet was a predecessor of the Super Hornet. The Super Hornet is practically a completely different aircraft, but they still call it the Hornet. One of the big secrets that I learned from our professor Vanderhoof about how to tell the difference between a Hornet and a Super Hornet, the easiest way for me, is the shape of the air intake right behind me. And if you're looking behind me, and I'm going to turn a little bit for the camera, you can see the red air intake, and you can see that it's square. That means it's a Super Hornet. The older Hornets, the original Hornets, the air intake was round. And whenever I'm watching TV, and I'm looking at the aircraft, and I see a Hornet, that's how I can tell. There are dozens of other ways that Professor Vanderhoof could tell you about, but that's how I can tell the difference between a Super Hornet and a Hornet. The other thing, this is a carrier-based aircraft. It's for the Navy and the Marines, and they fly it. 
This is the aircraft that the F-35 is going to replace. So it's an older aircraft, but the F-35, they're not able to roll them out quite as fast as they had hoped. So they're actually taking F-A-18s out of the boneyard, reconditioning them, and putting them back into service in order to fill the mission role that we need to serve until we can really get enough F-35s up and flying. Um, and the other thing I said in the beginning was I said it's an F-A-18. F stands for fighter. A stands for attack. When you talk about an F-16, that's a fighter. That does do ground support, but it's predominantly for air-to-air -air combat. The uh, A is for attack and for ground attack. Like, and again, I may infuriate our good friend David Vanderhoof, like the A-10. The A-10 is an attack aircraft designed for ground attack. The F-A-18 is fighter and attack and designed to be able to do both air-to-air -air combat as well as ground attack. And from what I, this is also the aircraft that our good friend Captain Nick flew after the F-4. And coming full circle, right? Yeah. So this is one reason why this aircraft is so important to me, because Captain Nick, our very close friend and one of the organizers of this event, has a near and dear relationship with it. And he can tell you much more about it. And uh, our good friend Marcus from the Omega Tau podcast interviewed him about flying the F-18 and also the F-4, which was the predecessor to that. And so it's very wonderful to be so close to it. One of the other things that's different about the Hornet and Super Hornet is the size. The Super Hornet, I can't remember in feet how much larger it is, but it's significantly larger. So if they were side by side, you would definitely know that they were two different aircraft. We're here speaking with Lieutenant Jeff Hoagie Hanley from the U.S. Navy who flies this beautiful, beautiful F-A-18. What, you've been flying it for some time now, haven't you? Four or five years. What do you like about it? Uh, it's just an airplane that can do so many different missions and so many different things that the variety of, of training and, and uh, opportunities that we have flying this airplane just make it a, an absolute blast. Uh, and also this airplane just does what you want it to do. It's fantastic. Now, one of the things about this aircraft that's used by a number of different nations, and our friend flew the F-A-18 um, for, uh, for the Royal Air Force, but you're a naval aviator. That's a completely different thing. You're not a pilot, you're an aviator. So you have to trap. How do, can you tell us a little bit about what a trap is and what that means and how you come down on a carrier? Well, uh, landing on the aircraft carrier is essentially taking a trap is another, another term for it. So basically taking 44-ish thousand pounds of steel and uh, bringing it to a stop in about uh, 200 feet of cable draw out there uh, in about two or three seconds. So it's about 150 to zero. So it's, uh, it's pretty fun landing on the ship. I mean, it is what makes us naval aviators, just like you said. Uh, and it's uh, the, tra the, the amount of training that we get to get to the point where you can do it is essentially, uh, it, it's what it takes. It takes lots and lots and lots of practice, lots of training. And what's important for our audience to know is it's not just a short runway where you're laying down a hook to trap a cable to get caught on that, but it's also a runway that you're not necessarily sure where it's going to be, and it's rolling from side to side and up and down all at the same time. So naval aviators are truly amazing pilots, and I'm not sure how well our audience knows that, and they need to know that, and our good friend Matt needs to know that too. A naval aviator is completely different from an Air Force pilot. Um, now, you do this day or night, any weather. How long does it take to learn to catch a, catch a line? Uh, well, you spend uh, about a year in Kingsville Meridian, uh, basically in Texas or Mississippi, doing it in a modified Hawk, a, a Goss Hawk, a T-45. You do hundreds and hundreds of practice landings in the field and on the on the airfield and the, the runway they have a painted carrier box with the appropriate 
you know, instrumentation to kind of show you exactly what it would look like. So the first time you roll into the groove in a, on a carrier, it looks very, very familiar. Um, and you're gonna have lots of practice. The muscle memory is all gonna be there. And after you do that, you get a qualified in that airplane and then you'll get qualified in this airplane after you go through a full tactical syllabus. Uh, so it takes a while. It takes a couple of years, lots of practice landings. LSO paddles are gonna help you out. The guys that are on the ground or on the uh, ship helping you get on deck, they're gonna give you lots of sugar and give you some, uh, give you some love to get you on deck the first time. Uh, it's definitely uh, definitely happy to have the, they call them angels in white, the guys in the white coats out there helping you out. Are you, are, um, are you getting any uh, special training or program set up to transition to the uh, F-35 or are you going to be with the uh, F-A-18 for the rest of your career? Uh, I have no idea where, where the rest of the career is going to go. It's really just a matter of how, how quickly things come on board. Uh, the, the RAG is, or the, the fleet replacement squadron for the F-35 has obviously stood up uh, down in Eglin, VF, uh, one, VFA 101, uh, and they're, they're working really hard. They're moving, moving forward very quickly. Uh, it's just a matter of when, when it happens and the timing and where I end up. But the F-18, particularly the Super Hornet, is going to be around for a very long time. So uh, if somebody wants to stay F-18s. Hopefully they continue to do that. They want to do that if they want to transition to the F-35. Uh, two very different airplanes. I'm really anxious to see what it's able to do and how it's able to contribute to the carrier strike group and the air wings out there in the real world. I'm really curious to see how it, uh, how it all turns out, but it's, it's exciting times. New airplanes, transitioning to different kind of models of how we're, how we're employing these things uh, uh, overall as far as an air wing strike group perspective is concerned. One more carrier question, and, and Matt, you can probably edit this around or at least take this part out, but maybe move it around in here. When you're coming in onto a carrier, at least especially at first, your heart is usually in your mouth and there could be all sorts of things in other places. Um, but I understand <laughs> that th that feeling can be a little frightening, especially at first, even though you're well trained, it's always you never know what's going to happen. But I understand the takeoff is one of the most thrilling and most amazing experiences that anybody could have and one that I've always wanted to try. Can you describe what a carrier takeoff is like at an FA-18? Daytime cat shot doesn't get much better than that. It's uh, you know about zero to 150, 170 miles an hour, depending on how heavy you are. It has to get you to a certain end speed. The heavier you are, the faster you got to go. So uh, especially if it's some sort of asymmetrical loadout, it's pretty, it's a pretty good little jolt. It's a lot of fun, and the, the the interesting part about it is that when you have your throttles all the way up, your flight controls are all the way up, that you're ready to go, you give them the signal that you're ready to go. It's still a solid four or five seconds before they actually launch you off and you don't know when it's going to happen so it's always a little bit of a surprise which is kind of <laughs> which is kind of fun uh nighttime is absolutely terrifying i will tell you that uh especially if there's no moon no stars you have no horizon so you're essentially launching into a milky black abyss uh which is definitely a little a little spooky but daytime it, it can't beat it it's a lot of fun and the, the pitch and roll must be interesting as well so just like in on landings you have to pay special attention to that on on takeoff as well they'll time it uh they'll time it if, if the deck's pitching up and down they will time the shot so that we'll launch you off essentially when the deck is all the way up um and they're, they're pretty good about timing that absolutely right it's kind of important obviously uh for the pitch and roll you know uh it's it's something you get accustomed to they have different ways of guiding you to the appropriate place to land depending on how much the deck is pitching uh, I think the worst pitching deck we saw was off like the Azores, you know, in like the open water, essentially the Atlantic Ocean. That's where it gets a little, little more compared to, you know, in Gulf or sort of littoral regions where it's a little smoother. Uh, so uh, yeah, it's definitely, it could definitely get a little spooky out there. So a bit about your career. How did, uh, how did your sort of aviation career uh, begin for you? Uh, well, I started flying Cessnas and Piper Cubs. Times me. Uh, and uh, just, just fell in love with it right away. Uh, always had a lot of interest in aviation, even from like when I was a little little kid. Uh, but my friends are, uh, you know, take a lesson in a Cessna and just kind of be in love with it. So uh, I got uh, some 
a little bit of just private pilot type stuff when I was in college. And then uh, I did not do any academy or ROTC. I just off the street graduated college, said I'll go to OCS and roll the dice and see what happens. And I was lucky enough to just be lucky at every wicket to where I ended up exactly where I wanted to be, which is flying a Super Hornet. So, uh, you know, naval aviation is all about timing. I got very lucky every time that that timing came up. So uh, I'm just fortunate to uh, that they still let me do this and hopefully they'll let me do it for as long as I can. So, Do you still have time when you're, when you're at home to do a bit of sort of uh, recreational flying? Oh, sure. Every now and then uh, I flew, uh, flew the wife and I out to, you know, just different locations. You know, if we had the time, obviously it's a little expensive <laughs> for me. Uh, so uh, I don't do it very often, but every now and then. Uh, just uh, for instance, my wife's birthday. Uh, after after we got married, uh, first thing we did was take her up flying, just kind of a birthday present to see how she enjoyed it. She's obviously terrified, but uh, it was because <laughs> uh, uh, it's different when you actually see the person at the controls. I think, uh, but uh, she uh, in the end, she she grew, she's growing to like it a lot as well. Just general aviation is a lot of fun. Different world, obviously, what we do out here. Uh, very missionized, obviously. Everything that we do is for a, for a mission reason. But it is nice to just take off and kind of bomb around in a prop plane every now and then. It's a good time. So definitely enjoy it it's one of the last questions i was going to ask we always ask all the uh, pilots who interview for the show and it's a question that can't mind it sometimes catches people out but given the chance to fly any aircraft in the world either retired or still flying anything at all what would be your choice aircraft to have a have a go in <laughs> oh boy you're opening up so many cans of worms with this all the community rivalries and all that stuff so i gotta be real careful uh but you know, Remember, I it doesn't have to be current, okay? Yeah, that's so. true. Uh, you know, I spent my entire career trying to get in this airplane. And so that, that, is my, that has been my goal the entire time since I, since I got into the business. So um, I think during that time, I would have told you, yeah, I want to get into this airplane, obviously, because I really, I really enjoy it. This airplane allows you to do so many different things. You air to air, air to ground, everything. You, you know, landing on the boat, taking off from the boat, it does it all. So I've been very happy to get into this airplane. I think historically... I think it'd be cool to get into some of like the first jet airplanes. I think they're always fascinated by you know things like uh, banshees, uh, must you know uh, stuff like that. The original jets that flew and landed and took off from aircraft carriers. That would be a really neat thing to see, and just how terif- just how terrifying a straight deck carrier probably was. <laughs> uh, and I have friends, uh, obviously a fair amount senior to me, that had done some straight deck landings and stuff like that. And uh, it's it'd be cool to see that. I I'm obviously uh, will never have the chance, but uh, historically, yeah, kind of the first jets that took off and landed from aircraft carriers, I'd like to see that. So, Lieutenant Hanley, Hoagie, no. thank you very, very much no, for being you. a part of this. No, of course. So we've moved aircraft again. We are now in front of the F-18. No, we were in front of the F-A-18, right. and now we're in front of an F-16. 16. The F-16 is known as the Fighting Falcon. But what's the interesting thing about it being known as a Fighting Falcon, which is its name, as the F-A-18 is a Super Hornet, yeah. although it's known and was designated the Fighting Falcon, those who fly it call it the Viper. Now, you took a look at it, and you can see there's one to our right that's not in the shot. Why do you suppose it might be called the Viper? Any idea? Look at the way the canopy overhangs the engine. Right. It looks like a snake, ready to bite. Ah, yeah, yeah. And so this is really the pilots who fly this call it the F-16 Viper. The F-16, notice it's an F as opposed to an F-A. It's a yeah. fighter. It's air-to-air. Now, it can do some ground support, but it's air-to-air. It's a single-engine aircraft, where the F-18 is a twin-engine aircraft and a carrier-based aircraft. This is the Air Force, land-based aircraft. But it's a real interesting thing about how it developed is the fact that there was a fly-off between the Y, I believe it was the YF-16 and the YF-17. 
So why F and the F-16 won, and then the Air Force picked the U.S. Air Force picked the F-16, but the YF-17 was an incredible bird, an amazing plane, and it was very, very close, side by side. So after they picked the F-16, the Navy looked at the YF-17 and said, "Hmm, maybe we should do something with it." And from the YF-17 came the F uh, the FA-18, and it's really if you. There are big differences, but if you were to see the fly-off, you'd say, oh, that's an F-18 flying off against the F-16. Now, the F-16 flies for the Air Force Thunderbirds. The F-A-18 flies for the Navy Blue Angels, and they're both amazing aircraft. But within the, I learned this from our good friend David Vanderhoof. I only just learned this recently. The Air Force flies F-16s that could be taken out of the Thunderbirds and go into service at any time, ready to go. All they got, they got to do is, is load them up with ammunition. But the Navy gets the oldest F-18s flying around, the oldest and the most decrepit, ready-to-go-to-the-boneyard aircraft, but they keep them flying and flying perfectly. If anybody sees a demonstration of the Navy F-18 Blue Angels, it's an unbelievable demonstration in aircraft that are ready to be retired. So why should I be really excited about this particular aircraft? Why should I be so excited about the, the 16 here? What's so special? It, the F-16, also a single-engine aircraft, like we said before. The engine that's in there is the same engine as in the F-15, but the F-15 has two of them. Okay, and it was designed like that so that they can switch out engines pretty much as needed. I guess the reason to be excited is because it's fast, it's beautiful, and look at it. Have you ever seen anything that looked deadlier? Okay, we've moved to another part of the airfield now, and I have a Micah who's standing to my left at the moment. He's rather excited about where we're standing right now. So, we are standing in front of... It's a PBY-5A Catalina, built in 1943. Her name is Miss Pickup, which we'll learn about why a little soon from Captain, a moment from Captain Rod. But when you see her, you'll understand that she's a personal friend, Miss Pickup herself, of Captain Nick. <laughs> Really, I, I, I don't know if I dare ask why. But, uh, so uh, tell us a little bit about the aircraft. Uh, I mean, what, what, what role does it serve at the moment? I reckon it's actually one of the first multi-role combat aircraft there, there were during the war because um, it's for air-sea rescue, long-range surveillance um, and light attack because they used to put torpedoes, depth charges, bombs, whatever, under the, under the wings. Um, they, could, you know, they did sink quite a few U-boats during the war. Yeah, this is definitely one of my most favorite aircraft, so quite happy to be here and standing next to her. Okay, and I have to ask the question, why? What, what, what is it? Why should I, as the novice here, be so excited about this aircraft? Yeah, I think really because of its mission during World War II, the, the air-sea rescue. My grandfather was in the Coast Guard, and just the valuable contribution that it made to the, the war. And I, being a spotter and of course being the the search and rescue aircraft yeah really really contributed a lot and the other thing that you need to know about this is also my favorite aircraft and it's one of my favorite aircraft I have many favorite aircraft but I did a piece for the airplane geeks several years ago about a restoration of one taking place in Sanford and it's one of my favorite aircraft because I call it the DC-3 of the sea because the DC-3 could do anything and it could fly forever and it had R-1800 engines, the same engines as a PBY-5A does but the PBY-5A not only did it from the sea, do you remember how we talked about the difference between an Air Force pilot and a naval aviator? The PBY does everything a DC-3 does but can do it in water. 
So, so th this can land on the water, can it? Yes, we still do when we can. Yeah. Not often enough. No. <laughs> um, we much prefer fresh water, so find a nice big lake and we're quite happy to go and splash around in it for, that's for a few days. Water, that's landing on water on purpose. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, not a crash landing. No, 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 no. <laughs> and so let me ask you a little bit about flying the, the PBY and a bit about type ratings and what it's like to take off and land in the water with such a huge, I mean, this is a big, big airplane. It's not a little float plane. Uh, how did you become a, a, a type rated in a TB, PBY and how long have you been flying her? Um, I mean, the, the actual conversion, f as long as you're used to flying something else, uh, apart from perhaps the size, which does take a bit of getting used to, uh, then it's a fairly straightforward twin engine conversion from any other sort of, even if you're only a single engine pilot, you know, you gradually get a twin rating and all the rest of it, but it's just as well to have a twin rating before you start. But um, it's quite different from a lot of other aircraft. It will not settle down and fly itself. You have to fly it all the way. It, it, you, know, you can't take your hands off. There's no autopilot in there. Um, and it waddles around the sky all over the place. So you, it, it needs a lot of work to actually fly it. Um, once you've got the hang of it on the land, then being on the water, um, well, <laughs> that's another steep learning curve. <laughs> Getting it on the water is... The only advantage you have on water if you've got a big enough lake is you're always going to land into wind. That's the whole idea of it, to make it easy. Um, but once you're on the water, it gets even harder. Because unlike a float plane, we haven't got any water rudders. Um, there's no brakes on and, the water. And the engines and are, are fairly close together as well. So all we've got is you know, bootfuls of rudder either way. A lot of power on one side or the other. Um, and if you try taxiing downwind, well, that's almost impossible. You just get a few degrees off and you finish up doing a circle and carrying on again. But, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a lot to learn. And, you know, it's uh, never ending, really. I mean, one, of the, one of the things that I'd heard is that during World War II, when the aircraft would be fully loaded, I mean, and very, very heavy, and taking off from a flat surface, that it might go take up, a miles of space before you could get her up on, on, on a, in, in, in into the air. Could you could you talk about what it's like to take off with all that drag? Well, I mean, in, in what we don't really like is a glassy surface because there's a huge amount of suction uh, on the on the hull, both when you're landing and trying to take off. Because if you, when you're landing, it'll just grab the hull and try to pull you down, which is why you have the little step in the fuselage just behind the wheels there, trying to break up the suction. And those wonderful engine noises are coming from a 737 taking off. And similarly, when you're trying on the water, trying to take off, you've got to break the suction to get it off. So we do like at least some disturbance on the water. Um, during the war, they, they could actually land on extremely heavy seas, going right out the other extreme from a, a glassy water. But we li limited ourselves to um, about four, uh, two, foot, two foot waves, if we can. We don't, we're not very happy. So. Her name is Miss Pickup, and there's a special reason for that name. Uh, tell us about what kind of air-sea rescue the PBY did in World War II. We've, it goes, actually goes with the colour scheme that we'd chosen. Um, there were two squadrons of what were termed OA-10As of the United States Army Air Force based at Halesworth in uh, East Anglia. Where the, Ironically, that's where we're from. Okay. Uh, yeah. You know about the, yeah, well, exactly where it is then. Um, and this is, apart from the fact we've got a gloss finish, they had matte white, but otherwise it's, it's accurate in every respect. 
Um, we thought for a long time that the one without the tail number that this one represents, there's a bit another story about that, but um, we thought it was Sophisticat because they all had their own little things. Every aircraft had something different. Um, but the, when on a particular mission, we thought it was a particular crew with their own aeroplane, but it turned out the crew was right, but the aeroplane they borrowed from one of the other groups. You know, another, <laughs> another, they, because the one they normally flew was US, so, and that turned out to be Miss Pickup. That actually came from the guys in the museum at Halesworth. They've actually found out all this about it. Yeah. I have to. It's double meaning because you know they have their no saucy nose art. You look at the, yeah. look at the Sally B. It's even worse than this one. <laughs> this one's wearing clothes, which is which is refreshing for a family show. Because of the air sea rescue capability, then it can pick people up out of the water. So that's why they chose that one, obviously. The PBY rescued many flyers, many, many flyers, because it could, again, do anything. And Matt, what I wanted to say, the other thing, why should you be excited about this plane? Just look at her. She's beautiful. It, Max Flight once said a DC-3 is the way an airplane ought to look. Well, it's true, but a PBY is what an airplane should look like. It's a gorgeous craft with a beautiful lines, and even if Miss Pickup wasn't on her, I would still love her. Now I'm just going to ask the question. Uh, as I said, I just turn over there. We've got the pods on the back there. What 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 were they for dur during uh, World War Two? Well, those blisters, as we call them, for obvious reason, um, are actual modern replacements for from the originals. Yeah. Um, obviously, going back during the war, they didn't know how to produce plexiglass things like that. I don't think. Anyway, they wouldn't last it very long. So they had some heavily framed affairs where the front bit was fixed the back bit was fixed and the bit in the middle used to rotate inboard and just inside there they had 50 caliber machine guns mounted okay. so when it was fully open there's a big field of fire for the guys to man their machine guns and uh, i mean it's a very slow airplane so it was very easily attacked in the whoop so you know they needed all the weaponry they could get there used to be a, a gun turret on the nose as well just in, in front of the cockpit that had a single double guns whichever model they happen to be um, and there used to be a f where our air stair goes up now at the back there used to be a, what, a fixed gun facing backwards as well it had a bit of, it had a bit of firepower and the blister itself when you look at it it's right now it's one big bubble but they would open like an eyelid you would reach around and open it up and that's where the uh, 50 calibers would fire from but also be where we'd pick up from the sea from and the other interesting thing about those particular blisters is on the original B-17 B, I believe, they used the same blisters before they came up with different kinds of turrets in the side. And you would, if you look at that original aircraft, if you ever watch the uh, the 1941 film Air Force, where you see that, you'll see those blisters. Now, b before we before we wrap up, because I know you've uh, you've got to get this out in the air very very soon. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, before we wrap up, uh, we always ask all our pilots on the Plane Talking UK show um, one question. Obviously, you love this aircraft more than anything else in the world. But if you could pick any aircraft in the entire in history, is there an aircraft that you would have always loved to have basically sat behind the controls of and 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 just taken out for a, a joyride? Well, I was going to say Concorde, but I don't think they take me for a job. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was a little bit unfortunate. That, I mean, I, I never actually got to fly in a Concorde or anything like that. But, uh, yeah. yeah. I must say that's, that's, a, that's a popular choice with a lot of people. They're, they're, everybody has a real, a real love of, of the Concorde. It has to be. How well I would have fitted in it, because I would have to crouch all the way up, all the way up the fuselage, yeah, 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 to get anywhere near the front, so yeah. let alone sit at a window seat. Or, yeah. Anyway, Rob, thank you very much for your time, and thanks for telling us a little bit about the aircraft. All right, we're in uh, 
Carlos's TriStar van. And Matt, say hello. Hello. Okay, I'm not sure you could hear that, but he's in the back of this van. And uh, we have just left the air show and we are heading over to the uh, Hogsback Inn where we're going to start the uh, setup for uh, this afternoon slash evening's uh, live event. So this is exciting, really looking forward to it. Well, what we have here, ladies and gentlemen, is the uh, setup, the, uh, the roadies uh, uh, crew um, setting up the audio and visual. And uh, there's uh, Carlos's best slide right there. There you go. Say hi, Carlos. Hi, Carlos. <laughs> and Mrs. Nev. Nev. Hi, Jeff. Hi. And he's uh, taking care of all the amazing audio. Look at this. Look at this audio. Hold on. Yeah, cool. Isn't that amazing? Wow, and look at all this equipment that uh, Carlos has brought with him. Amazing stuff. So, in about two and a half hours, we should be live. Now, Matt is out here with uh, the satellite dish set up. Say hi, Matt. Ryan. There we go. Part of the uh, satellite crew. All right. Right, everyone, welcome to the APG Farnborough 2006 show. Uh, I'm Carlos, as some of you may know. 2016. 2016. It's, it's, my, it's my English accent. It, it throws all the uh, American guys, you see. Hi, guys, I'm uh, Owen. come from uh, Ireland, but I'm living just down the road. This show, I've been waiting for it for a long time. Glad I got the days off. Yeah, can't wait to meet with all the uh, community. Be a fantastic show. Hi, uh, James Plumridge, a, originally from South Africa, now living in England. Um, out to come see the guys at the podcast today, been enjoying the Farnborough Air Show today, out in the lovely sunshine, as you can see. Um, good to meet everyone, looking forward to the show, and looking forward to some good beers. So. Hi, my name is uh, Stuart Bucker from the Netherlands. I've been following the podcast for say six months of the airplane uh, geeks and uh, one year and a half of uh, Plane Talking UK and uh, the airline pilot guy and uh, by the BIPs uh, show and uh, well it's a, it's a nice opportunity to meet everyone um, the teams and also the communities I'm having uh, a lot of fun and well, thanks to everyone who made uh, this happening uh, possible with uh, their time and energy and well, you guys know who you are. Thank you very much. Hi, I'm Tillman. Uh, I'm from Berlin, Germany. I'm a private pilot and I came over for the air show and for the meetup. And I'm really happy about the occasion of a European meetup. And I'm really happy about the occasion to meet the guys that I feel I know already. And it's a really cool community here. All is well so far, but the night is young and there's plenty that can go wrong. So, uh, but we've got a lot of kit here and we're hoping it's going to be a great show. Yeah, okay, yeah, cool. Where are we? It's now approaching 20 to 5, so we're 20 minutes before hopefully our broadcast is going to go live. Um, we think everything's okay, ready to go. We've got some impressive. Uh, Speed test, the guy behind the camera has been helping out uh, massively, Ryan, haven't you? But uh, yeah, it's, uh, we're all ready to go. We've done speed tests, sat is all, satellite's all ready for as a backup. It's just, we're ready to go. I, just think we should, I think we need to do it. Let's do it.
All right, airline pilot guy Thombro, 2016. Hello, you're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. I'm Captain Jeff, and I'm here with all my friends, including those up here with me on the panel and everybody here in the room, the ballroom today. Big hand. Greetings, dear listener, it's Matt here. Normally our show is optimised for enjoying in an audio-only format, but on this very rare occasion, it might be worth taking yourself to our YouTube channel. Currently playing in this part of our episode is a selection of photos and videos from behind the scenes of the Big Farnborough 2016 APG Airplane Geeks Omega Tau Plane Safety Meetup back in July 2016. Our personal thanks to Nev from NevTech and Captain Jeff for supplying us with some great content. Uh, if you've never caught our live recording of the show, why not make that your New Year's resolution? We return to live programming on Friday the 13th of January. Yes, I know, it's very unlucky for some. To watch the show, look out for the links on our social media feeds on Facebook. That's at uh, facebook.com forward slash UK. On Twitter, our handle is at UK, and our YouTube channel is youtube.com forward slash UK. We'd love to receive your feedback in 2017, so why not send it in to us by using our email address, podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. Confirmed meetups so far for 2017 include Pittsburgh in May and Riyadh in July, so hopefully get just get, we'll get to meet some of you then. Still to come in this episode, we've got Captain Al talking us through a great display by the Airbus A380 and the A400M and we have a great chat with the man himself Captain Jeff summarising our time at the show ta-ta for now to end the show, I'm going to say the show is over. Wishing you clear skies, unlimited visibility and tailwinds. Take care. And God bless. Woo-hoo.
Find this and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. TheVoicesInYourHead.com Aviation Media has long been the domain of the newspapers and magazines. Well, not anymore. I'm Steve Fisher. And I'm Grant McCarran, and we're bringing aviation right into your radio. Yes, we're making aviation cool and interesting for everyone. Hang on, aviation's always been cool. Check this out. How cool is this? Grant, Grant, turn that down. Here at Plane Crazy Down Under, we've got pilots, engineers, air traffic controllers, industry leaders, even politicians dropping by to talk to us about the amazing world of aviation right here in Australia and occasionally in New Zealand as well. Wow, that's cooler than I thought, mate. Find us at planecrazydownunder.com, on iTunes, or lurking about on other people's podcasts just like this one. We've got crazy accents and lots of great aviation content. And we promise not to talk about the cricket. No, never. Not the cricket. Quack, 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 quack. <laughs> what is cricket anyhow? Something we win a lot. Oh, there we oh. go. <laughs> the Plane Talking UK podcast is a voluntary project that aims to keep you informed with the latest aviation-related stories from newswires across the globe. Producing our content does cost money, though. If you enjoy our show, why not help us keep on the air by making a donation towards the server and website hosting fees through PayPal. Any contributions would be greatly appreciated. Are you an Amazon user? If so, why not do your shopping through the link on our website? There's no cost to yourself, and Amazon pay us a small referral fee on qualifying purchases. To find out more about the show and to meet the team, take yourself to our website, www.plaintalkinguk.com. Or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash UK, on Twitter via at UK, or get in touch via email on podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. Okay, so we're here at the, we're here at Farnborough. We're now about to watch the A380. Basically, it's uh, I think the best way to describe it is a demonstrator. Is that right, Cap? Now, absolutely yes. It's uh, just showing you the uh, the versatility and manoeuvrability of what is a very large aeroplane. Yeah. Now we actually watched it uh, yesterday uh, doing its stuff, and as I, as I was saying in the uh, podcast that we did at the show itself, it completely blew me away with its agility and uh, as I say Captain Al just going to talk me through essentially it's just because it, it, it looks like it's in a permanent stall even there it doesn't look like it got anywhere near fast enough to get off the ground well what you have uh, here at Farnborough is you have uh, an aeroplane it's uh, it's an empty aeroplane so it probably weighs around about uh, 200 tons that's metric tons that's the uh, the proper tons not those uh, those silly tons that the Americans use um, but those wings were designed to carry uh, a maximum all-up weight of around about 900 tonnes in its cargo configuration. Wow. So uh, it's got an 80-metre wingspan or thereabouts. So because it's very light, it is able to fly very slowly because, of course, the wings are producing all of the lift combined with the slats and flaps, but it's light so it can fly very slow which allows it to have a very small radius of turn because, of course, the, the faster you fly, the, the bigger the radius of turn that you have unless you increase the angle bank. Now, this is a commercial airliner. Uh, it's fly-by-wire, so the, the maximum bank angle that they are using for this demonstration is 67 degrees. Um, so it's, you know, it's not the F-35, it's not rolling inverted or anything because this is an airplane designed to carry hundreds of people 
but because it's light and it's got those fantastic engines and those beautiful wings it is just so graceful for a large aeroplane in the sky and I think that's possibly one of the uh, the things that really caught your eye when you you saw yeah. it yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. As I said, it just it just didn't just didn't look like it was flying anywhere near fast enough. It just it it's just, it just completely blew me away yesterday. Well, yeah, because we're so used to seeing um, airliners, you know, sort of taking off uh, fully loaded with uh, passengers, bags, cargo, etc. So the heavier the aircraft is, the the faster it has to fly, um, and of course when we're going from A to B in an airliner we're, we're not doing circles around the airfield as the, the A380 is demonstrating um, but we're just seeing what is fundamentally a large aeroplane being very graceful in how it manoeuvres around the, uh, the, the Farnborough sky here and it is fair to say that even though the A380 has been flying now for quite a reasonable period of time it catches the attention of, uh, of the public here. There are a lot of people watching it. Yes, it may not have the, the dazzle factor of the, the F-35, but it is just flying beautifully slow and giving everybody a real opportunity to see, you know, a real combination of British engineering and European engineering at its finest. And I say British because those awesome wings are, are produced in, in the United Kingdom up at Broughton wow. um, uh, just on the Welsh-English border. I mean surely that can't be far away from, from a stall uh, at the speed it's flying at. No, there's still quite a large margin between where where the stall in effect would occur. Remember it's an Airbus so it's fly-by-wire so you have all of the flight envelope protections. So with uh, normal law uh, being uh, used, the aeroplane in essence is protected from stalling by the, the flight control computers which allows the, uh, the pilots really to manoeuvre it at the lower speed that the computers will allow it to fly at and that's still significantly above the stall. I've just got this I image in my head of like, if you're in that cockpit all I hear is pull up. <laughs> no, no, there'll be none of that. This is uh, just, just uh, a light aeroplane designed to, to carry a, a much a greater amount of load so it's just going about pretty normal things but just because of its size and the fact that it can fly slowly it's just a, a crowd uh, you know captivator okay so here goes the a3 uh, the a400m um, the military transport aircraft um, now this is a, a different uh, performance. Uh, Matt, Matt's got the uh, the video rolling here of uh, the A380 uh, coming into land. So the 400 gets uh, gets airborne as the uh, the 380 comes into land, and because of uh, as I've mentioned now, though those great big wings and uh, the lightweight of the aeroplane here today. And let's be honest, um, Farnborough's runway is not the same length as somewhere like Heathrow or Singapore but it just uh, is just going to stop on a sixpence today um, and it represents uh, a true feat of sort of engineering really that the, the way that the aeroplane can just come in with so obviously the, the, the A400M is like the, the military Yes, I mean the the the, the, 400, uh, the 400 is a, a military transport aircraft. So now we're not operating in the same sort of regime. So the aeroplanes are able to uh, 
maneuver in a, a much more acute fashion. So it's allowed to use much more in the way of uh, of bank, and uh, still it's quite a you know reasonable size aeroplane. But it's not limited to 67 degrees of bank in the way that its uh, commercial cousins are. So one of the reasons that, that is, of course, it's uh, it's a military aeroplane. So if you imagine taking off from somewhere. Um, that's hostile. You might need to uh, to evade, um, you know, hostile fire. So the ability to just sort of uh, maneuver the aeroplane um, quite vigorously, but it's an Airbus and it has uh, flight envelope protections with just different parameters set for it. So obviously, as I say, the 400M obviously is prop uh, over the, yes. the jet. Yeah. Now, I mean, I, I made a bit, bit of a, a what turned out to be a foolish comment really yesterday was the fact you always, when you see it, for some reason, me, the novice, sort of sees the prop um, plane and sort of thinks sort of maybe older technology and all that kind of thing. And so what, why are they, uh, what, what, what does the, the prop give um, that, that makes people sort of still use it over the jet engine for, for certain, um, you know, activities? Well, one of the reasons that many people see propeller-driven aeroplanes as sort of like old-fashioned, if you like, is that they think of, uh, you know, petrol-driven piston engines uh, turning propellers of, of times gone by and, and uh, sort of general aviation. But we're actually looking at a turboprop, so we have effectively jet engines that are using propellers right. as their propulsion. And if you look at a... So you know, it's using but, propellers rather than the turbine, is it? Well, it, no, it's still the turbine, but if you yeah. look at a, a, at a jet engine, you'll see a fan at the front. Right. Well, that's really just an enclosed propeller. Yeah, true. Uh, yeah. You know, a few more blades. So... It's just a slightly different design, but the, the technology is, is remarkably similar. Really, you have you know, a propeller in the form of a fan or on a turboprop, a much more sort of visible propeller with less blades. And there are, there are many different reasons uh, why uh, manufacturers go this way. But uh, typically, if you look at an airliner, it's going to fly very high, reasonably fast, long distances. Military transport aeroplane required to get off, you know, maybe unprepared surfaces, so grass or gravel, um, typically flying lower um, and uh, shorter distances. Um, So that's just the sort of the design criteria that that people look for. Um, Jet engines are quite, um, what's the word I'm looking for, critical with regards to ingesting sort of foreign objects, right. so birds, yeah. stones, that Lovely. sort of thing. Whereas other propeller aircraft, they're, they're able to sort of bounce them off right. much more. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Sort of chop so, it up, yeah. <laughs> so, so in some ways, you're kind of looking at the sort of equivalent of a, of a four by four, um, right. more so than, than, a, than a coach. Yeah, built for comfort, not speed, essentially. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just an entirely different role. Yeah. Um, okay. um, so I presumably prop is more more commonplace in in sort of military, perhaps certainly for transporters and things like that. Yes, I mean if you sort. I of, mean not the fighter jets. No, 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 absolutely. Yeah. But if we sort of continue the sort of vehicle analogy, if you look at your sort of your your Land Rover, your Range Rover yeah. in that rugged environment, yeah. well, you're not going to take your coach into that environment. No. Are you? No, no. Your, your coach isn't designed. To, to go off road? Uh, no, no, no. no, no. Uh, and it does sometimes, but yeah. not, not through. Yeah. Um, so it would struggle yeah. in that yeah, environment. Yeah, so that that's what we're kind of you know yeah. looking at. You know, just a completely different uh, modus operandi. Yeah. You know, operational role. 
a rare opportunity here. We've actually bumped into uh, uh, flight crew here at uh, Farnborough, which has been a real trait. And uh, Owen, you work for uh, Harpjet. Uh, Harpjet in the. Uh, Excuse the noise. Anyone would have thought we were an air show with lots of things going on here. But uh, you, yeah, you work for, for Harpjet, basically. Uh, you recently started. So how long have you actually been, been flight crew for? Uh, I've been flying for maybe three weeks or so. Uh, and before that, it was six weeks of very intensive training. Um, but that intensive training was on the beach in uh, Malaga, Spain, which was beautiful, beautiful. So can't complain, really. Yeah. So, so how does it start? So uh, you, 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 do you go for an interview or is it... Uh, sort of along those lines you did you, you or uh, is it that um you have to, you apply or, or or what happens yeah so you uh, apply online which is a, a very simple application process there's a, a little bit of a a kind of a questionnaire and a suitability test just kind of seeing if you be right for the job and uh, also they ask you why you want to do the job and um then you get called for an interview big information day uh, there's an English written test and an English verbal test and uh, then you do uh, a short interview uh, and that was that was that was it I had to wait a few weeks and uh, then got the call to say I was hired so you've already asked my next question essentially so why is it that that, that that's what you wanted to do why is it you wanted to become uh, airline crew oh I just wanted to get into aviation anything to fly anything to be in the air um, and yeah it came up at a, a really good time for me um, and I really it's, it's something that I want to do for a long time and uh, it's something that I really enjoy doing so very glad I got the opportunity So you're air crew at the moment what's the dream? Where, do you, where would you like to go for, from there? Oh ideally I'd love to be a pilot but uh, <laughs> I think there are, there are a lot of cabin crew who, who'd love to be pilots um, but for now I'm really really happy just uh, peop, you know, looking after people in the back and uh, yeah, getting to interact with passengers, it's a really fun and very interesting job. Yeah. I mean, I'm delighted in lots of ways because it's been a privilege to have you as part of our, our group during during the uh, our time here at Farnborough. But I'm very surprised that, that, our, that, that our resident pilots haven't put you off, to be brutally honest. <laughs> oh, there's been plenty of stories and uh, a few horror stories that they've been telling of the, the last uh, few days. But no, no, it's, it's uh, only fueled a passion. Well, thank you for your time, Owen. Uh, we wish you the best of luck, and uh, who knows, we might even see you on our next flight somewhere cool. You never know. You never know. Thank you very much for having me now. Thank you. So you join me, Carlos, here in the Media Centre at Farnborough International Air Show 2016, and uh, it, it's kind of a, a roundup sort of of the uh, of the week here uh, that uh, the APG guys have had here in the UK, and also their thoughts on the uh, the air show. So uh, we'll start off with Dr. Steph. So uh, from the beginning then, how, how's the week been for you? Uh, it's been a great week and, uh, you know, really super thanks, first of all, to all of you guys over here for helping us out, helping us get here, helping organize a lot of this. Um, there's a lot of people to mention and I'm going to forget names, but they all know who they are and we really, really appreciate that. And it's made just a really, really nice, really wonderful week and it's, it's been great from start to finish. So, right, Any highlights at all from, from, the, from the week that stand out for you? Yeah, so the first part of the week, you know, we weren't, um, I wasn't here in, in Farnborough, but we 
went and kind of toured London and did that for a couple of days and went to Paris for a day and that was all very nice and good and a little vacation to to start off the week so um, that'll always be uh, a nice part of it but certainly getting here and and getting to meet everyone I think that was uh, that'll always be a big highlight of anything that we do getting to meet people that you really just know from names you know like on the chat room and um, that you may not know in person and getting to really put those those faces to the names that's that's always going to be a big highlight you know above and beyond even just what's going on at the air show all that's kind of um, you know certainly that's what we love and that's what we're passionate about but kind of secondary to the uh, the community and the people who really came together to make this all happen for us so great and then the air show itself uh, Steph uh, have you enjoyed yourself here over the last few days oh absolutely I mean it's it's been a really great air show it's uh, you know we were commenting on the way in today it's 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 like this is not their first time putting this on it's just such a well-run production and, and very well organized and all of the flying displays have been great um, you know it's it's hard-pressed always to even pick a favorite because it's just fun to watch airplanes fly um, so I'm not gonna pick a favorite but <laughs> um, yeah between yet I mean yesterday was great we couldn't have asked for better weather yesterday and it's actually cleared up pretty nicely today as well for some of these displays and uh, no all of it's been really really fantastic so last night the big uh, the big meetup at uh, the hogs back and that uh, how do you enjoy, do you enjoy that <laughs> Of course, you know, it's always, uh, again, super huge thanks to everyone who came out. That was, that was by far our biggest meetup to date, and uh, it, it was just a lot of fun to get to. It was really informal, and that was kind of the nice thing about it, was that we got to chat with everyone, and, um, you know, Al and I had a little eating competition that <clears throat> I, uh, I won, uh, but certainly go back and watch the, uh, <laughs> the show for that. Um, but yeah, just the, the interaction between everyone and the, the live questions, that's always fun. You know, it's, there's no way to prepare for that. And, and I wouldn't say that a whole lot of preparation happens for some of the questions that we get asked anyway sometime. But, you know, not to know what's coming and what's going to be asked. And uh, that's always fun. So any plans to come back to Farnborough possibly in, uh, for the next show in 2018? Well, I mean, we've got two years to plan it and make it happen, so I, I think it's not out of the realm of possibility. Uh, oh, great. So, moving over to, uh, well, the other man in charge, really, Jeff. You know, I mean, you, you are the, uh, the guy who kind of brought us all together, really, to, to be honest. You know, you are um, kind of the, the father of uh, aviation podcasts. So, um, yeah, how, the week then, starting off the week for you, Jeff, how, how, how's it been? Well, if, the, if I was responsible for all of this, I, I just want to apologize for all of that. No, uh, starting off the week was great. Uh, got picked up by the, uh, the wonderful Neville Bounds uh, from Heathrow and uh, had a nice stay over at his place and went to a pub and did all the, the pub things that you do, especially for somebody like me who has never been over here. And we did the, the real ale and the fish and chips, and it was awesome. Um, but, you know, we... Wanted to have the meetup here, and that, of course, uh, Stuart Aslett, uh, he's the one that kind of planted the seed for this whole thing. But uh, when he came up with this idea and we went, oh, yeah, so let's see, we got to have some excuse for somebody to actually come from long distances away for this meetup. So I wonder if there's like an air show in this area. And apparently there is, the Farnborough 2016 air show. So. Um, yeah, it, uh, it was a grand time. Uh, the people here are just amazing. Uh, the, the countryside is beautiful. The weather has been, I think, for the most part, pretty nice. And what else can you say? It's been wonderful. And especially 
you know, we've met through the internet, but not in person. And it's so, such a great uh, thrill and pleasure and treat to uh, meet, oh, that's the F-35, right? To meet you, Carlos and Matt. You guys did so much work in helping us put together this first class uh, recording before the meetup last night. And uh, we do really appreciate that. I've got to ask, Jeff, Real Isles, come on, you've, your first uh, British Real Isle. Okay, well, I think that they're wonderful, they're very authentic, and I think that I've developed a taste for the kind of the California style of uh, very strong hoppy ales, and I haven't really yet experienced the, that kind of like in-your-face kind of a hoppiness that uh, I'm used to, and maybe my taste buds are all out of whack or something, but I really, I, I thought, but they're very easy to drink. That's the thing I like about it. But, uh, in fact, I could go for one right now. I guess uh, they're so good. <laughs> I think it is time for a beer, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm thirsty. But, no, I, I love the uh, the real ales. I love the, how they, you know, they, they, they pulled the, the, uh, the hand yeah. pumps out yeah. of the cask. No, not overly carbonated, um, not ice cold. Yeah, it just uh, kind of really brings out the uh, the nice fruity esters and flavors of the uh, of the beer. I, it, the, awesome. Really enjoy it. Great. So you've enjoyed the air show. You've enjoyed being here with us all, uh, the, the group family meetup, I think. So, uh, yeah, any thoughts for the, f- for the future then, coming back to the UK at all? Any... Uh, chance you might be popping back to see us in the next few years honestly it was such a terrible experience i don't think i'll ever ever come back again sorry no uh, yeah of course um i don't know if we have any uh, organized plans yet for somebody was saying something about you know two years from now back here who knows we might be well perhaps we can, we can come over and see you guys absolutely i think next year we have a little shindig going on in the uh, united states uh, over in wisconsin so that might be a might be a great place to gather the group that is a noisy jet but it sounds great <laughs> can't compete with that actually can't compete with that no no so we are going to close things down then uh, for uh, for this particular part of the show so uh, well on behalf of everyone here I think you know thanks ever so much for you guys for coming over and, and you know spending time with us over the last few days and uh, over the course of the week it's been our pleasure absolutely yeah I couldn't be happy to, happier to be here and for those who don't know where they can find you, Jeff. Come on. The Yellow Pages. <laughs> no. You can find us at AirlinePilotGuy.com. All one word, AirlinePilotGuy.com. And there you have it. Thanks, everyone, for being here. And that's a wrap. So I hope you all enjoyed the uh, amazing content there from Farnborough. We really enjoy producing it for all you guys and girls in the uh, podcast world. And uh, now what a fantastic weekend. Let's hope to uh, recreate that next year or in May in 2017 at Pittsburgh. Hopefully, Matt, that'll be, uh, that'll be good. <laughs> Do you know, I thought you were going to say we'd go recreate it at Farnborough next year. I mean, that, that ain't going to happen. Is, no, know, well, Farnborough's not until 2018, so no, that might indeed. be a struggle. If we, if we do go this year, I mean, we'll get a great deal on a hotel, I think, as Jeff yeah. said in our Christmas show. I, uh, yeah, you know, I, it'll be great. It's very it'll true. Be yeah, yeah, it'll be, it'll be brilliant. Yeah, there'll be no yeah, hassle be, traffic. No cars. No cars, yeah. no traffic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Farnborough's definitely yeah. the place to go this year yeah. Yeah, for the air show. And you'll have just as much of chance of seeing the Airbus A3, A3 whatever 
it was uh, there <laughs> as, as you would uh, as you would on the day. But anyway, there we are. Oh dear. But no, I hope you all enjoyed that footage. As I said, um, cool. obviously look out for all the links on Facebook and Twitter. We'll put the uh, the links and bits and pieces to the show and uh, you can click on those and obviously find out when we're going to be going live uh, in the new year. Yeah, indeed. And uh, if you're not familiar already, then make sure you find our various social media feeds. Uh, on Facebook, it's facebook.com forward slash Plain Talking UK. Our Twitter handle is at Plain Talking UK. Our website, www.plaintalkinguk.com. And of course, if you want to get in contact with the show directly, it is podcast at plain talking uk so that is where we wrap up our our uh, our uh, footage i hope uh, you all enjoyed it uh, from me here in the caravan it gives me great pleasure to say uh, goodbye and we'll see you next week for another live show and from me carlos here in the PTUK kitchen studios it's a happy new year to everyone and take care see you in 2017 bye, bye.